Welcome back, everybody, to the Michael Hurst Distinguished Hospitality Lecture Series. Uh, we are doing a quick little follow-up uh, Q&A with Chip Wade, president of Union Square Hospitality. Uh, really looking forward. So we have some great questions from our students. Uh, we wanted to take the time and ensure that we're able to get these questions to Chip. So Chip, welcome back, sir. Thank you. Good morning. I'm delighted to be back with you, Brian. Ah, fantastic. I was looking forward to this all week, as a matter of fact, so it's good. So we have some great questions from great students. Uh, just so you know, uh, I kind of have paraphrased a few of them to kind of keep our flow going, but we're going to give credit where credit is due. So let's sure. start it right out. So um, Gilberto, Gilberto uh, is our first question, and his question is around people motivation and team motivation. And his question basically says, what's kind of your best practice of motivating your team particularly during these challenging times we're having now with COVID-19? Sure. By the way, that's a great question, particularly given the the times that we're in. So uh, for me, motivating an individual or motivating a team really begins with the clarity with regard to where the organization is trying to go, right? People need to know that they're moving toward a particular milestone, or I use the phrase a lot, BHAG, which is a big, hairy, audacious goal, right? It's from Collins and Porus's book uh, over 20-some-odd years ago, uh, Good to Great. And so I believe in setting big, hairy, audacious goals. And the, the, the best way to think about this, or I should say one of the great examples, is John F. Ken- Kennedy's statement in the, in the 60s, about America getting to the moon by the end of the decade, right? It's a big, hairy, audacious goal. It galvanizes people and it motivates people. So I would say to every leader, first and foremost, set a milestone, set a goal um, so that you can galvanize and motivate your team moving towards something. Um, The second component of individual or teams is making clear how people can win. Right. If you follow this path, here's how you can win professionally or personally. It could be financially. But if, but if the servers, if the managers don't understand how they can win, they're, they're less to be engaged and they won't bring you the heart, which is so important. Uh, we can easily bring our legs and our hands and our body. But at the end of the day, to motivate an individual, to motivate a team, You've got to touch their spirit in their heart, and you have to make sure that you're clearly articulating how they how they win. Um, and then the the last thing I would say with regard to motivating teams is celebrate the small wins. Um, write small personal notes of acknowledgement and thanks and appreciation. Call people up. Um, I mentioned I think in a smaller group, Brian. It uh, recently I, I spent I sent a small. Um, I think nine or 10 people on my team, um, ice cream. And so it it just showed up at their door, appropriately packed. And I was just showing my thanks and appreciation for the hard work that these individuals have done during this pandemic and the the recession. So small little gifts of appreciations and, and notes go a long way. That's, that's amazing. And I, I, I 100% agree with you with celebrating small wins, particularly during challenging times. But even in, in I used to love in the restaurant setting is that you never have to do this, you know, over the top big thank yous, but walk behind a line cook or someone that did a great job and just kind of go, just grab their shoulder and say, thank you, man. That was a great job you did tonight. Yeah. And then walk away. And that little bit goes, and you're just celebrating that quick little micro moment. It's amazing. So 
Uh, Chip, man, I tell you, I love you. This stuff's great. So our next question uh, is coming from uh, Christina, uh, and this is looking beyond hospitality. Now, uh, I did reflect a little bit as you and I had a chance to talk about this earlier. And the question says, your interest other than hospitality, but I think we're going to do a little uh, extending on this one. And if you weren't doing um, these amazing things you do in hospitality in the restaurant segment, yeah. what would you be doing? You know, what would yeah. be that other path? So I, uh, this is a great question, right? It, it forces me to kind of think um, less, as you stated, about my industry and my work and really about my passions. And, and there's two. I would say one is I would find a way, and I, I try to do this today, to um, uh, coach, mentor, and teach really the next generation of leaders. I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about finding the next uh, Hispanic leader that is going to be, uh, regardless of the industry, but is going to lead our industry, the next African-American female, the next black male. And so it is something that I care about deeply and, um, and, and I do it in my own special way of coaching and mentoring and guiding individuals. And so I, I think that that could come in the form of teaching. Um, it could come in the form of um, working on, on boards, but I get my fulfillment in life by seeing what I, again, would describe as the next generation of people of color moving into prominent roles. Uh, the second thing that really is, is a passion of mine is, is I collect rare and antique books. And so um, I, I would maybe own an antiquarian bookstore. Um, I could spend hours in a, in a bookstore. I get passionate about um, collecting these books. Many individuals collect wine, if people that, that collect other things, but you get me into an, an antiquarian bookstore um, on the topics of uh, politics, um, civil rights, historical business. Um, I get, I'm like a kid in a candy store. No, that's great. Uh, yeah. I, I, you got me on that one. Uh, yeah. I, was, I was like, whoa, but I, I could totally get the coach side because I'm right there with you. Yeah. Uh, huge, huge believer in coaching. I, mean, you, I know you and I had a sidebar conversation, but I always, you know, I love being a hockey coach and that type of stuff, but you got yeah. me on the antique books. That is absolutely amazing. So Can that's, I, you know, go ahead, sir. I was just going to say, I, I was able to find a signed autograph book by um, uh, Bill Marriott um, that was written in 1969. Some of my books are, go into the kind of 1800s, but it was this, uh, it, it combined a passion about rare special books signed and, and the business of hospitality. And he wrote the book um, as Marriott was about to open their third full service hotel. And so, right, and you, now you see it today and it's this behemoth of an enterprise, but uh, I found the, the book fascinating. That's great. Uh, yeah. Learning something new every time. And you never know, you know, and this is a great opportunity when we do these follow-ups to take a little bit of a, a deeper dive and this is what we learned. So uh, sure. our next question is coming from uh, Gloria. And hey, you know what? So far, these questions have been great. Uh, and this next one, you know, we're going to get into a little bit about gender equality. And I think Gloria has a great, great question about gender equality in front of the house and back of the house. Now, you and I both started out our careers in the back of the house in the kitchen. Sure. Um, I don't know about you, but I used to see the kind of uh, the movement, the activity in the front of the house. And then when I started to do live action stations, I said, wait a minute, I think I belong more out here than I did. But I still love doing both. But yeah. I don't want to get too off track, but 
you know, I know Union Square Hospitality um, really believes in gender equality. And if you don't mind talking about some of your best practices as far as behavioral design goes or what you do to ensure gender equality as you move forward. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just an interesting topic. And um, I think at the end of the day, the leader has to simply walk his or her talk, right? And, and it's this idea of gender equality, fair and equitable pay, um, which presumably we all aspire. Um, and I, I wish I had, uh, uh, Brian, a, a kind of a magic idea or magic pill, um, but it's, and, and I'm by no means a perfect leader, but at the end of the day, it's just simply about walking your talk, right? And so um, I have to do that, and therefore the organization will see that. So as an example, you know, as I think about our leadership team at, at USHG, and, and, you know, I give Danny all the credit, but, you know, our chief people officer, our chief legal officer, our chief marketing officer, um, get a managing director running, running one of our growth businesses, they're all led, all of those disciplines, departments are led by women. Um, and so at the end of the day, we feel like um, the business will prosper and grow when we have a more diverse workforce that is obviously inclusive of women in key leadership uh, positions. So there's a, co- a concerted effort on my part and Danny's part to say, um, where do we stand with regard to diversity, period? Um, literally a, a month ago, Patty and I, who is my chief people officer, we were looking at pay scales for um, uh, general managers and our chefs. And we were simply looking at, um, is there a gap? And if so, how do we close that gap between our women chefs and our male chefs, right? And so the, at the end of the day, it is about walking your talk. It's about putting these things on your agenda, whether that's monthly or quarterly, doing the analysis, and then closing the gap if, in fact, a gap exists. I think in step one is you're, you're taking the right steps. You're, you're basically saying, yes, this does exist. Let's identify it and take a look at it. And that's really the key because uh, we're, we're not there yet uh, as an industry as a whole. And I think we yeah. have a ways to go. Uh, I think it's important, and I'm glad that Gloria asked that question. Uh, so our final student question is coming from uh, Bernardo, uh, and I really like this question uh, because, again, we had our sidebar conversation. I said, I think we're going to be okay with this one. But yeah, this yeah. question is about um, goals, personal goals, and personal planning. Uh, and I wrote a little side note about goal setting. And Chip, if you don't mind, talk a little bit about um, how you feel the importance of goal setting and then kind of wrap it up saying, was being president uh, of a legendary organization like you are now, was that a goal of yours? Uh, you know, but it's amazing how goals work, that suddenly we start going into that direction. So you don't mind talking about that? That'd be yeah, great. I love, by the ev- evidence of my smile, I love talking about this topic, right? I'm passionate about the notion of setting goals. I've been a goal setter um, pretty much all of my career. Um, I can't say that at 22 or 23, I had it all figured out, but at some point in my mid-20s, it became abundantly clear to me of the power of goal setting. And um, I I was so passionate about this, each year I would set professional and personal goals. I would, I'm so goofy, Brian, I would type them out, 
I would laminate my goals and I would stick them in the front of my day timer. And for, right, for those, <laughs> for those who are not familiar with the day timer and, and we're only familiar with our smartphones, it was simply my, my diary that I carried around, right? And so not only did I put my goals, type them out and laminate, on the back page, I would list how I would hold myself accountable toward those goals. And they were goals related to my role as being a parent. They were business goals. They were personal goals for my own acquisition of knowledge. And so I would do that every single December, in early and mid-December. And then every day when I would look at my calendar, when I would look at my binder, I would be reminded of these goals that I set foot. And so, you know, at the end of the year, I would look at myself in the mirror and say, you either met these goals or you didn't. Um, and, and, um, and so I'm a f- fanatical fan of goal setting. I still do it today. I think it drives me. Listen, I think I use a lot of sports analogies we do in business. There's some 29 teams or 30 teams in the NBA, 32 teams in the NFL, right? There isn't a head coach that says, hey, guys, let's finish this year at 500, right? There's, there's no one that says, let's just be average. Everyone's trying to get to the World Series or they're trying to get to the Super Bowl. And for me, that, that analogy, if you will, was how I thought about my career. Did I aspire to be um, an ascend to the president role? Well, the answer to that is an emphatic yes. Um, did I, did I Think about that. Again, in my mid-20s, the answer is no. I distinctly remember being 30-ish, um, early 30s, and saying um, uh, I, I was able to see a divisional president. Uh, this was during my TGI Friday days that I admired and respect. And I think, Brian, and I, I share this to everyone, there was someone that I saw, and I thought, like, why can't I aspire to move into that role? And so roughly at 29 or 30, I don't remember exactly the age, um, I made a bold statement that I wanted to lead, not from an ego or title perspective, but from this notion of uh, I wanted to help and give and nurture others. And I thought I had the capacity to do it at a broader scale. And so it, it was most definitely a goal that I set. Um, and I just moved aggressively toward that. There is no one that would say at 30, um, there is a linear ascension to the top. So I've been set back, I've been downsized, I've been restructured, I've been separated from businesses. And all of those setbacks have taught me, I've learned from them, and, um, and that's the journey I think that all leaders will go on. But if you're committed to setting those goals, and understanding that you may take two steps forward and three back, um, but you have to persevere, I think um, the individual will, will certainly achieve their goal. That's great. You know, I, I love the fact that you had them laminated and in the front of your file of facts or your day yeah. planner. And then I think one of the, the, the big takeaways there is that you saw it on a regular basis. You were able to measure it, you know, and then you revisit it you know, every December, you know, and that was yep. the key. And I remember writing my, you know, the, the, the big picture ones, the personal ones down. Uh, and it's always fun to be able to look back on a yellow legal pad. Sorry, I didn't type them out and, and it laminated. I had them on a yellow legal pad. 
Yeah. And then, you know, be able to go back and reflect upon it and say, okay, this is what this I did well. And I think it's really important to also have those professionals, those personal goals um, in separate. I was so, able, I'll, I'll share one more thing. I actually ha- was able to find one that I wrote in, I think, 1997 or 1998. And now I'm using it as a teaching moment for my two sons who are 23 and 21. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a bit of a relic. And, the, you know, even though it was laminated, you can see started the pages starting to turn yellow. But, um, yeah, it's, I, I'm a fan of it. It's turning into one of your rare books now. That's what it's turning into. You, know? <laughs> you got it. Chip Wayne, thank you very much. Uh, someday I look forward to having a cold Bacardi cocktail with you or a cold beer, uh, and we can share some more stories together. But uh, we really do appreciate your time. Thank you for your support for FIU, and uh, you've been a wonderful follow-up questions. Look forward thank to seeing you. you again soon. Thank you so much. All right, Brian. Thank you so much. I look forward to that as well. Take care. Mm-hmm.